with the new camera. And uh, thankfully, Dr. Albic has the patience to put up with me as I figure out the kinks. But Dr. Albic's been on here once before. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we spoke. Uh, you were the um, first deputy director of BioPreparat. You wrote the book Biohazard, which I'll put in the description. It's a fantastic book. And um, towards the end of our last discussion, we got into autism. And you spoke about how you have looked at endless studies of existing information, existing medications. There doesn't need to be new studies. You were saying it's all off the shelf. It can be applied to autism now. And you said your daughter has autism, and this is very near and dear to you. And because you are one of the smartest people I've ever talked to, I figured, yeah, let's do this. Let's do these episodes. But for all the new listeners, Dr. Albert, could you please introduce yourself? Uh, thank you, Tommy. My name is uh, Dr. Ken Albert. Uh I'm a physician by, by initial training, a military physician. Uh, I was born uh, in the Soviet Union and uh, graduated from uh, a military medical institute or university, I would say now. Uh, and uh, for quite a while, I was working in the field of uh, acute, uh, highly dangerous infections. And uh, during my study at uh, the medical university, I was studying uh, medical psychology, uh, studying um, psychiatry for two years. And then I was studying epidemiology, infectious diseases, acute chronic infections, and so on and so forth. And uh, by uh, the end of my stay in the Soviet Union, I became the first deputy director of uh, Biopreparat. It's one of the branches of the Soviet Union's offensive biological weapons program. And uh, I was scientific director. Mm -hmm. so, a big number of scientists. Uh, you know, it's hard to uh, uh, give you an exact exact number, but approximately it was about thirty-two or thirty-three thousand people. Mm -hmm. And uh, but in nineteen ninety-two, uh, I decided after some events. I mean, just because I, I visited the United States, uh, inspected some American PW facilities, and when I found out that. Uh, the United States didn't have a uh, biological weapons program. I decided to leave my position. Uh, at that time, I was one of the youngest colonels of, of the army. And, uh, and having uh, a doctoral degree, actually two doctoral degrees, and um, decided to go uh, to the United States. It was 1992. And since then, I'm here in the United States uh, doing research uh, in medical fields and biomedical fields in developing new products. And uh, for the last 14 years, 14 or 15 years, I've spent much time studying autism mm -hmm. from, from different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And the reason I started because my daughter, you can see her yeah. here, it's Mary Rose. Uh, she was born in... Uh, uh, 2002, and she was a great girl, but in uh, 2005, uh, we found out she had autism. It was a time when uh, I got back, let me say, to all uh, studies uh, exist, existed at that time and just started studying autism. 
and spent years and years. And now, nowadays, I mean, in addition to my major work, uh, I mean, what I'm doing with the company, uh, uh, I do uh, much research and actually because I'm a physician and licensed in the former Soviet Union, uh, I treat uh, kids uh, from all over the Soviet Union. I mean, it's, it's at this point, looks like I'm having about 2,500 kids uh, having autism. I just, it's, uh, it takes all my time. I mean, just uh, after my regular work, uh, at 8 p.m. till midnight, I'm consulting the kids using telemedicine. I'm doing this on Saturdays, Sundays, and I just it's all the time when I have some free time. Sometimes it's at midnight, after midnight, but it's, it's my work, and parents are really happy. God bless you. You're you're making me tear up. That's you. You were born to be a doctor. And real quick, it was rude of me. I want to um, I want to wind back. I kind of gave that description off the top of my head, thinking whoever had whoever's listening to this, I assume they had listened to our last episode. You were conscripted by the Soviet Union to work at the offensive biological weapons lab. This isn't something you wanted to do. You went to become a physician to do what you're now doing now helping people to the best of your abilities, upholding your Hippocratic Oath. You defected to the United States. You shed light on the, that bioweapons program, and you have done nothing but good in your career. So I did. I, I realized as soon as I said it earlier, I, I kind of just said it without explaining it. That was not something you wanted to do. You were conscripted, as the Soviet Union would do. You don't have much of a choice. Um, so for the listeners, and for even me, I guess... Could you describe just to, and this is what I want to say, in, 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 an, in an age of uh, what we're seeing right now with medical censorship, I thought it was fascinating because we were emailing and you were going to send me a presentation and I was going to put the presentation up on the screen and Dr. Alabek was going to walk us, me and the audience, through it. But then you emailed me again and you said, you know what, let's, let's just do it live and I want you to ask me questions. I want you to pick it apart. And I want, I believe your wording was, I want you to be merciless. And to me, that is the sign of a confident, intelligent man. You said, forget the notes. I just want you to attack this for what it is. And to me, that just, that just tells me how, how brilliant you are. So to start, could you just describe what autism is? Because I'm realizing now as we do this podcast, I don't exactly know the, the definition the characteristics of autism, I know loosely of it. You know, maybe uh, if possible, uh, I'll let you know when I found out that uh, autism existed. Okay. I was still uh, a military student, I mean, medical student. And when we studied psychiatry, of course, what we st studied, we studied uh, schizophrenia, then we studied epilepsy, we studied all these more or less known diseases. And once uh, having uh, a kind of practical uh, study, we were shown, let me say, a big boy. Uh, he was about, still young boy, he was about... Uh, 17 or 16, but very big, heavy, and uh, he was uh, walking uh, like, like just if somebody plays a ch uh, uh, chess, uh, you, you would not just like, let me say, uh, a horse would be walking, let me say, on, on a chess, uh, chess desk. And it was exactly the situation when we saw this uh, boy two steps 
in one direction, four steps, let me say, in uh, to the right or to the left, then four steps back, let me say, and uh, two steps again. And yes, we uh, were watching him for about uh, 15, 20 minutes, and that's what he was doing all the time. Severe form of he, he He didn't speak. And of course, we, we realized uh, that um, there was no treatment, and, but at the same time, we didn't hear much about autism at that time. For us, it was a kind of unknown disease. All explanations were okay, it's uh, very close to schizophrenia, uh, but there are some things uh, which would distinguish autism from, from schizophrenia. And for years, uh, uh, you know, I didn't hear anything about it. Uh, autism. Uh, time to time, I saw some facilities in the Soviet Union located far away from big cities. I mean, just kind of uh, special uh, places where these kids would be kept. I mean, just uh, in many cases, uh, parents would uh, deny, I mean, uh, having these, these kids and uh, sent to, to these facilities. And they would stay in there and, I mean, just uh, living with some kind of uh, horrible conditions, uh, having short lives, uh, die in big numbers. That's what I remember my second, uh, I mean, kind of uh, introduction to autism, but, you know, from, from a side. And again, when I came to the United States, uh, having three children at that time, then uh, having another you all uh, in 2000, uh, all of them were uh, regular kids. And in 2002, uh, Mary Rose was born and she uh, uh, she was diagnosed with autism. And you can imagine 2002, nobody knew, any, uh, nobody knew anything about autism per se. And uh, then uh, later, when I started studying at that time, uh, not much information was available. But uh, a general understanding of autism was this. Uh, it's a uh, neurological or psychiatric disease. And three major uh, things would be considered uh, if a child uh, have three major things. I would say first, uh, inability to speak properly. I mean, and inability to study, uh, to speak uh, as a regular uh, kid. Second, uh, it's, um, I would say, uh, quite damaged ability to communicate. I mean, this is, uh, I mean, especially uh, have no interest in communication with anybody or having a kind of impaired commu communication abilities and wouldn't be interested in communication. And the third one actually is... Uh, repetitive and restrictive behavior. I mean, just uh, a child would be playing the same games, uh, watching the same cartoons. I mean, just uh, and let me say, all interests would be within this uh, very uh, narrow, I mean, uh, piece of activities. It was a kind of general understanding. There was no, uh, was no big detail. Later on, uh, I knew much more about autism, but initially it was uh, this understanding. Uh, it's even now, it's described, let me say, as a major uh, thing with autism. But uh, reality is different. They think that they exist, but you know, there are so many other things uh, many physicians don't pay attention to. 
so would would you say it's so it's not entirely it's not as entirely understood as if I'm interpreting you correctly it's not is as entirely well understood as say depression or anxiety or even uh bipolar or or schizophrenia where I mean if I'm correct you or you go back to like the 1950s 1960s they were still at least trying at the time maybe if it was just with lithium or SSRIs or you know even more kind of primitive uh, electroshock therapy lobotomies but there was still at least an understanding of like hey there's something going on we're not there yet with with autism we're still kind of at the it, it's kind of like the covid of of mental illness like it's it's relatively new and we haven't entirely figured it out yet is that correct uh, not entirely okay uh, but, but what you said uh, actually is correct from from the point uh, that we don't know much about okay. autism real autism and you know, because we uh, define autism by what we usually see i mean how uh, a child behaves, let me say, what he or she uh, does, and these type of things. But actually, the first uh, uh, discovery of autism was done uh, many years ago. Uh, there was a physician, uh, last name is Kenner, uh, and he first uh, found, I mean, saw so, uh, first 11 kids having uh, this type of conditions, uh, but before uh, Kenner, some other physician, actually, with last name uh, was Asperger, he uh, uh, saw close uh, the same uh, clinical manifestations in some other kids. And uh, now we call it Asperger's syndrome, let me say, so a, a, a kind of uh, high-functional autism. But Kenner... Uh, I mean, uh, give the name to this autism. I mean, this meaning that these are, I mean, uh, close kids. I mean, this is uh, mentally closed. And uh, it was considered uh, a psychiatric uh, disorder. Uh, and since then, let me say, just, it was not well known, but uh, what happened uh, is still to be studied. Uh, something happened in the late 60s, beginning of 70s, when uh, the number of kids having autism started exploding. At that time, it looks like in the 70s, uh, we had about uh, either 5,000, uh, one uh, child would be born amongst 5,000 healthy, healthy children. Now, this, is, uh, this number is already one, uh, one of 50. Okay. And this number, let me say, is uh, growing. And uh, before we thought it was kind of more uh, typical to the United States, uh, but now we know that many other country, uh, countries they have the same problem. And even some countries uh, have uh, a bigger number of, uh, per capita. For example, uh, in uh, South Korea, we have about 1 to 30, and Hong Kong, 1 to 30. In some states of the United States, we have uh, uh, 1 to 25, 1 to 35. I mean, uh, one child with autism to, to 25, 35 uh, little kids. And uh, when uh, uh, I work with the kids uh, from the former Soviet Union, I mean, it's, it's Russia, it's Kazakhstan, it's Ukraine, 
some Baltic countries, uh, many other countries, I see uh, that uh, even if they don't admit it, let me say, uh, real situations, uh, situation is uh, quite difficult. I mean, just the number of kids born with autism, let me say, is uh, increasing kind of uh, geometrical, I would say, uh, progression. And uh, it's not going to go away. It, it will be getting worse and worse. And at this point, there is no treatment. And the treatment which is offered actually is not treatment. It's a kind of, uh, uh, kind of techniques to help uh, these kids, uh, to help kind of uh, help them just to get some skills. Uh, but when it started many years ago, we didn't know much about autism, but at the same time, now we use some, I mean, some methods designed many, many years ago, and there is no change at all. But uh, autism is a medical problem. It's, it's a, a psychological, psychiatric problem. It should be treated, diagnosed and treated differently. Okay. Okay. So, so whereas example, um, in 2017, I did uh, I did OCD therapy. I was I was diagnosed with clinical obsessive compulsive disorder, which I mean, anyone that knew me could have guessed that. And I finally went and got it, and it was great. But it was all it was therapy, it was exposure therapy, it was behavioral therapy. It wasn't a pill, so that was psychological as opposed to, I guess, in a stricter sense, uh, physiological. You're saying that the inverse is true for autism. It can be treated no different than, than blood pressure or, uh, you know, you know a, a bad heart or, or, or a, a metal loss for words or bad vision. It's something that we can tweak. We can tweak the actual mechanics of the human body, whether it's with medication or, or I would imagine it would be medication. Is that what you're saying? Yes, uh, but but before we uh, start talking about medications, we need to understand what it is, correct? Okay, yes. Yes, sir. And uh, first, uh, cur uh, currently we talk about these uh, three major, uh, major uh, I would say, definitions uh, which would be considered autism, correct? Mm -hmm. but, but at the same time, uh, it's not the end of story uh, because uh, people don't talk about uh, a level of, uh, I would say, uh, I wouldn't say damage, but uh, the level of disability of these kids. They can get, let me say, from something very light itself, uh, to very severe. Not many people know that uh, many kids with autism, they have uh, not just uh, these symptoms, they have problems, let me say, with uh, some uh, motor activities. I mean, uh, they have uh, some uh, muscle weakness. Uh, they have problems with the gastrointestinal tract, constipation, uh, diarrhea, and any kind of treatment wouldn't help. Uh, they have problems with, uh, with the endocrine system, and uh, some of them are having problems with uh, different, uh, I mean, endocrine organs and the production, production of some hormones. Uh, many kids have uh, problems with the immune system. Actually, all of them having a problem with the immune system. And if we analyze, uh, we see what kind of damage to one or another branch of the immune system is taking place. Uh, we know uh, what kind of, uh, I mean, changes we see in the blood. I mean, just when we take uh, a test for 
oriented uh, white blood cell, uh, cell count, we, we see uh, what's happening in the blood. We see inflammation. We see, if we start taking some uh, some other tests, we obviously see that uh, first uh, these kids are in uh, severe in inflammatory condition. First, systemic inflammation and neuroinflammation. Uh, we know this. If we analyze, we see some oxidative uh, oxidative stress problems. We see these kids are having uh, uh, hormonal uh, hormonal, uh, hormonal disturbances. We see they have uh, problems with. Uh, uh, it's uh, not, not again. Not many people pay attention to this, but we see uh, there are uh, some definitions. Uh, not many people know of. I mean, parents and. Uh, uh, these definitions of missing the actual conditions is SIBO, C4, and IMO. Uh, I need to explain what it is, correct? Yeah, yes. SIBO is uh, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. SIFO uh, is a small intestinal fungal overgrowth. And something new, which is, uh, we call it IMO, intestinal methanogenic bacteria or archaea overgrowth. Okay. I mean, these kids are having completely damaged, let me say, uh, uh, gastrointestinal uh, uh, problems. And they have uh, problems, let me say, with the microbiome, let me say. And uh, this, I mean, this condition is causing uh, uh, so-called leaking gut syndrome and uh, leaking gut syndrome, let me say, is resulting in many other things, for example, causing damage to someone's organs. And specifically, just if uh, somebody asks parents about uh, what is uh, they see in uh, their kids, first, what's important, some, some, would, uh, some parents would tell you, okay, sometimes my child is breathing out some uh, strange smell. Uh, like ammonia, uh, like methane, uh, like acetone, or something. They call it a chemical, uh, chemical smell. And nobody uh, explains this. And nobody, nobody explains this because it's uh, it's exactly the case when we have these conditions, C by C four and emo. I mean, we have. Uh, I mean, in these kids, uh, because of some damage to to, to the gastrointestinal tract. We see how bacteria are growing, let me say, instead of uh, large intestine, they are penetrating into a small intestine, let me say. And small intestine is not the place where this bacteria should accumulate. And because uh, the epithelium of uh, this intestine is very thin, let me say, and this bacteria, when they grow, let me say, they start, uh, they start damaging the epithelium. And uh, all these toxic substances coming from this bacteria are getting into blood circulation. And one of the uh, consequences, and we can tell about many different consequences of this condition, uh, from blood circulation through portal again, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, all these uh, toxins, they get in, into the liver. And uh, I mean, many uh, parents say, well, okay, we have an enlarged liver. But this is a part, again, a, a part of the story, because of these chemicals, they're getting into blood circulation and there is your brain. And there is another condition called uh, hepatic encephalopathy. 
And this is actually a typical situation with the kids of uh, with autism. This is one of the things, for example, they're having these uh, things. But this, again, it's a kind of later stage of this disease. But how it starts, it's a separate story. Okay. Probably because it's, uh, you know, at this point, uh, I mean, I wouldn't tell maybe in detail because it should be a very long talk. Uh, it starts if, uh, uh, but uh, I'll tell you a kind of a short way. Uh, you know, before uh, a first more or less uh, scientific publication uh, appeared in 1977, there were so many different publications and just so many different things were blamed. I mean, just uh, including uh, heavy metals, uh, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, some illegal drugs, uh, I mean, just mothers would be taking smoking, drinking, all the same, but nothing else more scientifically proven. And people were talking about vaccination. I know uh, people support vaccination theory. Uh, I analyzed, let me say, and I read many articles, and I would say, yes, in some cases, vaccination could be uh, not an initial trigger. It's a kind of secondary. Uh, but in many cases, because people talk about the vaccination, but it's it's, it's vaccination, it's uh, a new infection coming, it's it, uh, psychological trauma to a child, and, and many other things which can, uh, I mean, worsen the condition of a child. And it's interesting from this point, uh, many parents say, okay, okay, my child was great uh, before vaccination or something like this. But if you ask, uh, a parent, what do you mean by being great? They would say by uh, age two, my child was able to say uh, mom, dad, or maybe say a few words. But it's already a sign of autism because uh, kids by age two, they're already speaking. They have abilities to speak and more or less, I mean, just they, uh, they're able to speak by uh, I mean, by sentences. Uh, but if you go back, uh, we can ask parents, okay, okay, uh, did you have any infection during pregnancy? And I would say uh, half of mothers, or maybe even more, would say yes. Looks like in the first trimester, I had some, uh, some flu-like think or something like uh, something like this or kind of gastrointestinal infection this is one of the things again this part is big but you know just i can give just a kind of short uh short thing to explain and what's happened to uh in this uh i mean during this time uh from week uh, uh from the week nine, uh, nine of pregnancy to the week of 30, uh 29 36 let's say uh our brains, let me say, uh, let me say, are very sensitive to any insult uh, during pregnancy. And if uh, a mother is infected and a child is having so called, we call them uh, uh, genes of risk or uh, genes of plasticity, because, uh, I mean, we have just a child is having, let me say, just one set of uh, genes from a mother. And another from a child. Nobody thought about an interesting thing. Why we have more kids, I mean, uh, more boys and less girls, right? Mm -hmm. 
kind of enigma. There is no enigma at all, obviously, because it's uh, uh, the difference is, again, it's, uh, I, I will try to make it uh, not say uh, highly scientific, but we always need to remember this term, uh, loss of heterogeneity. It means, let me say, we all carry some, uh, some genes, so we call them genes of plasticity. And when we get one set of uh, genes from mother, another from father, I mean, just if uh, this, I mean, uh, two alleles, if a certain gene, for example, mother's and uh, father's genes, let me say, they are uh, genes of risk and could, could be damaged by some insult, let me say, but they're normal. We need to have some insult. The insult could be an infection or inflammation coming from infection. This is the case. But of course, it's not a single gene. It should, should be a group of genes. But if there is no, let me say, if there is no, uh, I mean, uh, alignment in this case, uh, and for example, mother is having just its, uh, let's call it traditional, uh, not a gene of plasticity, and the father is having this, in this case, let me say, just there is no a loss of uh, heterogeneity. A child is born, let me say, as a regular child. But why? Uh, why boys? There is one one interesting thing just people don't know about. Uh, we have uh, 46 chromosomes. And uh, the last pair, 20, uh, pair 23, uh, is different in uh, mothers and fathers. Uh, mothers have uh, X chromosome and fathers have uh, Y or it's much shorter. I mean, and if, for example, we have, uh, we combine with missing X, because mother uh, has two, two X chromosomes. A father is having X and uh, Y. In this case, if uh, uh, we combine two X chromosomes, we have, we have a girl. If father gives, let me say, his uh, Y chromosome, we have a boy. But each chromosome, by, by, by nature, it's shorter. It's shorter, and many genes, for example, we have uh, in, uh, in mother's chromosome, they don't exist in father's chromosome. Now you can imagine, in this case, if a mother, a mother's gene, let me say, is uh, a, gene, uh, a gene of plasticity or a high-risk gene, and father uh, has no duplication, let me say this, in this case, we have a problem. But this is a kind of uh, story. Uh, I don't know how much it would be understood to, to people, but, but it's the first explanation why it's happening. And, uh, you know, this, again, when, when I, uh, I'm telling this, it's not just uh, literature analysis. I mean, uh, this is a result of many studies uh, published by different scientists and by different scientific groups. And my own observations with all these kids. I mean, uh, and uh, when I talk to uh, to parents, uh, they tell me about uh, what uh, they had during the pregnancy time, what kind of problems they, they had in delivery, and I call this period, let me say, period of risk. And then uh, usually we say that autism is diagnosed at the age of uh, two or three, correct? But I'm saying just when I talk to uh, 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 to parents of these kids, parents and uh, ask them to tell whether they saw something unusual, 
Uh, 
it's a trigger. It's a, it's a kind of secondary trigger. Uh, infection wouldn't cause, I mean, this at this uh, age, it's a secondary trigger. This is what's happening to a child. And then let me suggest uh, parents uh, finally start seeing that Mr. Child is losing absolutely everything. That's why uh, for first what came to my mind, okay, just we need to analyze uh, what was happening. And that's why when I talked to parents, uh, they told me about pregnancy period, what they felt during the time, what was happening uh, uh, at the moment of delivery. And I know, for example, because some of them are well described with uh, conditions when there's some uh, irregularities uh, in delivery, uh, and we know, for example, what could it mean? Hypoxic changes, uh, then a John, uh, John days for a long period of time, they say about infection, and it's going unnoticed. It's first uh, what uh, came to my mind, and we start, start to analyze, let me say, it's, uh, it's an infection. Uh, first infection, uh, which uh, we noticed, or uh, quite a bunch of uh, herpes, herpes infections, like herpes simplex, cytomegalovirus, mm-hmm. uh, Epstein-Barr virus, uh, then uh, varicella zoster, uh, and so some other uh, infections. And uh, now, now uh, it's not just my observation. Now, just when I collect all this information, I see a big number of articles. And the first article, uh, actually, it's, it was interesting to, uh, to see, and nobody paid attention. It was published in 1977. Uh, it was a scientist. It's hard for me to say it, uh, it was a lady or a man. But this person noticed that uh, kids with autism, they had uh, 200 times higher uh, titer of antibodies to to rubella, rubella virus. Yeah, it's congenital rubella because some people say, no, 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 it's, it's vaccination. What I've done in this case, uh, when uh, parents did this, uh, I was asking them, okay, okay can you uh, analyze the presence of rubella in, in your blood, uh, rubella test? And all of them, 100% had rubella. And rubella, and there is a condition we call it congenital rubella. It's, let me say, when uh, mother is transferring rubella, and the rubella is triggering uh, uh, this condition in child. It's from different publications. We know uh, uh, that rubella actually is one of the major players in autism as initiation of this. And many other things, I mean, this, uh, then infection, let me say, uh, when it becomes, and you can imagine, uh, this uh, condition is developing in a child, uh, I mean, from the time of a embryo, let me say, just to, uh, to when it's uh, still at the stage of intensive development of the brain and, and central nervous system. And uh, this uh, time of uh, when uh, a child is still a fetus, let me say, just infection of this uh, uh, nervous system, some other organs, uh, they produce oxidative stress. And then we see uh, in the kids, when we start analyzing, even just uh, very soon after birth, when parents are noticing, because before, uh, parents wouldn't notice anything uh, before age three or so. 
but, but after a big number of my presentations to parents, uh, I, mean, uh, uh, I started seeing some parents who are bringing their kids when they are still six months old, seven months old. But they start seeing, let me say, this state early in the beginning. At this point, let me say, it's very easy, let me say, to take care of the situation, let me say, in child, in about half a year, child will continue growing, let me say, just a legal child. And I'm saying, okay, guys, you would forget about me in about six months. But then, just when it's a child, a children are getting older and older, let me say, they develop many things. And uh, uh, the things I described before, this is just a part of story again. Uh, but some people say, okay, okay, let's forget at this point about uh, gastrointestinal problems. Uh, let's forget about liver or, or uh, endocrine organ. Okay, what's happening to a child? Why a child is behaving this way? And when we describe autism, uh, nobody ever said that autism, let me say, is a disease which is looking differently at the different ages. Initial thing, let me say, is it's uh, what we say, communication problems. But uh, every year, every month, sometimes every two-year period would give you a different picture. And not many people uh, know that uh, uh, kids with autism at age four, five, six, some, some of them uh, getting older, they start developing uh, many things, let me say, people wouldn't be able to handle. They become uh, self-aggressive. Uh, they become aggressive. And the level of aggression, let me say, is getting uh, severe every every year. I mean, in some cases, let me say, they're absolutely uh, out of control. So it is as well. And in this case, it's, we don't discuss this. I mean, we discuss just kind of communication things, but you know, and these poor kids, uh, I mean, this is exactly what happened to, to Mary Rose. Uh, and thanks God, my wife, she's a physician as well. And we were trying with Mr. to go through many things. I mean, just, you cannot even imagine. And, you know, just, I'm, uh, when I decided to tell I mean, and to work with, uh, with this, uh, the parents having autistic kids, I decided to be absolutely open to them. Uh, I told them what was happening to my wife, to me, and when Mary, a very nice girl, up to age four, and how it happened, how we noticed uh, she became different, and how current treatments, for example, were making her, let me say, she was... Uh, she was getting worse and worse, and finally she became a demon. I mean, because she, she would uh, uh, take a knife and try, try to cut me on my hand. She would start beating my wife, I mean, just every day. Every day, I mean, just uh, she was always covered by bruises. Police was coming to our house uh, every other day. I mean, then... Uh, our neighbor said, okay, just, uh, you should take, uh, you should go away because we cannot hear how she's screaming with me saying, trying to, to kill. I mean, and uh, another neighbor, she said, okay, okay uh, keep in mind, uh, one day she would kill you to, to my wife. And she said, okay, if she kills me, it means it's my destiny. But during this time, we're trying to miss so many different things. I mean, 
people don't know uh, at this point 111 different types of treatments are available, so-called treatments. And the study done by a big group of scientists uh, said, okay, neither works. Neither works. And uh, thanks God, you know, just somebody can say, okay, okay, if we spend billions of dollars, okay, and we have so many institutions, uh, we have so many sophisticated scientists, why you are the one to tell us what autism is. You know, just even you say uh, I'm brilliant person, in my opinion, it's just a matter of coincidence. I, I would, if I may, I would say, you know, if Thomas Edison came out of his lab one day and said, I made something that can emit light, people would say, scientists and alchemists and wizards have been trying to figure that out for 10,000 years, Mr. Edison. Why do you think you have it? Maybe is it because he's brilliant? Sure. Probably also coincidence. Thomas Edison said he had 10,000 inventions that failed before he created the light bulb. He didn't look at those as failures. He looked at those of he figured out 10,000 ways to not make a light bulb. And he made the light bulb. So to me, I would say brilliance, but sure, absolutely. Coincidence. The factors all align and you're here and the planets aligned and you've got it figured out. Maybe, Tommy, but uh, I'll tell you a story. Okay. <laughs> Two years ago, uh, there's a very uh, great... Uh, I wouldn't say scientist, physician here in Cleveland area. And he's running his CEO of uh, uh, mental health system. And I came to him and, uh, together with our CEO and started talking about autism. He was listening and said, uh, and my suggestion just don't do it. I said, why? You know, okay, okay uh, you are the one who by accident know many different sciences in the medical field. But uh, the system of education in the United States, in any country in the world, let me say, is built completely differently. If you're a neurologist, you're a neurologist. And even not just a neurologist, you'll be in the very narrow fields of neurology. Mm-hmm. neurology, adulthood, I mean, just uh, aging people, this type of thing. Uh, you know why I'm saying by accident? Um, you know, it's interesting, if I look back, uh, when I was graduating from uh, from school, from the, uh, uh, from school, I was uh, planning just to, to go, I had no idea for what reason. I wanted to be a sailor, military sailor. I mean, it's okay. okay. And uh, my parents were absolutely against saying, okay, if you want to go to uh, the military, okay, uh, we know you you uh, like to read medical books, okay? There is some specialty, uh, military medicine. That's why instead of being with Mr. Military Officer, I, uh, I became military physician, officer, military physician. And uh, another accident, just because it's uh, the first study I was done when I was 23, uh, I was studying uh, psychiatric problems of uh, conscripts uh, in one of the large cities in Siberia. And I was just, of course, it was a kind of primitive work, but I understood that many kids, they have some uh, neurological psychiatric problems. And it was uh, kind of first, uh, I mean, 
interesting point to me. And I was, during my study, was studying psychology, medical psychology, psychiatry. Uh, but at the same time, uh, during this time, uh, a professor of uh, infectious disease, microbiology, and epidemiology, he said, okay, there was a, an interesting study. Uh, I mean, uh, in the book I described it, uh, Stalingrad uh, situation when uh, there was a high suspicion uh, that uh, tularemia, biological weapon, was used. And this, uh, during this time, I started studying infectious diseases. I mean, uh, both acute, chronic, and so on. So well, that's why I was taking towards this. And, you know, it's uh, already after graduation. I mean, it's a chronic infection, chronic inflammation. I was doing just myself. Then I got certification in oncology. Oncology is not autism, but in uh, oncology, I was studying from biology of cancer. And biology of cancer, let me say, is, uh, I mean, uh, cancer, in many cases, it's uh, induced by chronic inflammation. The chronic inflammation is a part of autism problem as well. This is the case how, let me say, by pieces of this information started coming in. That's why uh, when I saw this, uh, I tried to remember what was happening to Mary and it started analyzing the situation and just to me it came. Then it was confirmed, let me say, by so many publications. And now uh, the current situation is I have 25 uh, yeah, 25 or even now, even more, because every day at night uh, I need to uh, tell me some consultations for about 20, 25 parents every day, even on Saturday, Sundays. Overall, it's about between 70 to 100, I mean, parents uh, every week. That's what I do. I mean, and yeah, it's uh, uh, there is a big. I mean, just uh, they have special forums. Uh, they communicate each other. They explain, for example, the strange enough, uh, the old uh, treatment of Doctor Ken Lepek, uh, for example, Russia, uh, Eastern region, or Ukraine, this region, or it's the same name, and each group is having about two hundred, three hundred uh, parents. It's already seven or nine groups, I mean, just, and I'm sitting in each group yeah. myself because they ask questions, I'm answering the questions. And, uh, you know, just it's a, a treatment, uh, what I'm having. I'm saying uh, um, ABA therapy, I'm talking about, I mean, uh, uh, defectology, I mean, language uh, specialists, I mean, just all things that they are necessary. But uh, many of them uh, would say, okay, it's so difficult, I mean, to teach them um, because they, they cannot comprehend what they are said. And uh, now I know, for example, if we treat these kids for a few months before, they're getting different. And uh, I, I, I put, let me say, all my presentations, uh, I divide this things, let me say, in three different things which are happening to a child. First, what I said, infection, chronic infection, and infection not just by viruses, uh, but some, uh, I mean, some so-called intercellular bacteria like mycoplasma, chlamydia, physicians know about that. Then this, I mean, uh, things, they cause uh, 
an inflammation response in the cells. Cells are trying, let me say, to get rid of uh, these uh, viruses, invaders, let me say, and start producing some uh, some mediators uh, of inflammation, like uh, we call them cytokines, we call them uh, mediators of oxidative stress. I mean, just uh, and instead of helping kids to get rid of them, they, uh, I mean, start this condition we call the kind of low-grade cytokine storm. Low-grade cytokine storm. Not what we see, what we see in acute infection, we see this. And we, we call them uh, low-grade inflammation. Low-grade inflammation actually is damage to the immune system. It's not even damage. It, it wouldn't let the immune system form because the immune system during uh, uh, pregnancy time it has several stages of development. And uh, major things are happening immediately after birth. The immune system is dysfunctional. And what happens in this case, uh, a child even just wouldn't show anything. They would, because what, what now, now we need to talk about microbiome. A microbiome, where we get this bacteria from? From parents, right? Okay. Yeah, from, from parents. Okay. Because when a child, let me say, going through a channel, for example, a child is acquiring all things, let me say, and this is uh, the first time when they start acquiring I mean, uh, kind of initial bacteria in our microbiome, our oral microbiome, our gastrointestinal microbiome. And will you notice, for example, if uh, it's uh, we have just a regular delivery, if we have one set of microbes, if we have a cesarean section, it's already different. We start seeing some skin microbes, like we see in the gastrointestinal tract, like cephalococcus, streptococcus, uh, streptococcus epidermitis we, we have on our skin. Uh, but again, this is uh, something we get immediately, but because of our immune system. But the process of formation of microbiome, or microbiota, we say, is taking some time. And because the immune system, let me say, is not able, let me say, to distinguish and, let me say, to get rid of some uh, bacteria, we start accumulating some bacteria which shouldn't be present, let me say, or should be present, but in small amounts in our gastrointestinal tract. Uh, because uh, the presence of some bacteria, they are established called pro-inflammatory state in the body. In this case, uh, but many things, just maybe at some point I would uh, tell, for example, why children, let me say, they see differently, they hear differently. Why? What's happened? Because there is, let me say, specific explanation what's happening in the brain. But uh, kind of big, by big pieces, let me say, the final, the final, I would say, stamp uh, to establish autism is coming, let me say, from uh, a perverted uh, microbiota. And uh, because of some damage to some uh, vegetative nervous system, and we know what, because the system which actually is modulating with our internal organs, some some organs wouldn't uh, function properly. And uh, some microbes, which are not supposed to be in the uh, large intestine, they're getting into small intestine. And the small intestine, let me say, shouldn't have 
any significant amount of bacteria because there is some so-called, uh, I mean, uh, a border between small intestine and large intestine, let me say, and it's closed. But in children with autism, let me say, it's wide open. These bacteria start going, let me say, from uh, large intestine to small intestine. This is a point when kids start developing SIBA, CIFO, and IMA. And that's why IMA is methanogenic bacteria. And this methanogenic bacteria, for example, they produce, this is a specific thing, they produce ammonia, they produce, I mean, uh, all the things like acetone, they produce methane, let me say, that's what we hear, I mean, just sniff the child. But that's what we sniff, but at the same time, we need to remember all things are getting into blood circulation. Many of them are toxic. And these toxins, let me say, they get in the blood circulation, and just all the system, let me say, and this is a point when, let me say, the entire vicious circle of autism is established. Okay. But instead of, let me say, trying to find these, let me say, we call them etiologic factors, because any disease has uh, etiology, has uh, pathogenesis, uh, and has clinical manifestations. What we do at this point, we try to treat clinical manifestations. Okay, child is aggressive. Okay, let's treat aggression. Child, let me say, is hyperactive. Let's try. And it's never successful. Let's say, just for some period of time, they get a little better, or they start giving some uh, uh, supplements, and the child in a kind of condition, let me say, just, uh, but never, I mean, treated completely. Uh, they're not able to completely be because we're not able to reach first find out what it is, how it develops, let me say, and uh, based on this, uh, it, it will start there. I mean, uh, uh, this situation would, would treat it much easier. That's the case. That's what I do. This is the difference between uh, what we do here in the States and many other countries and, and what I do to, uh, to these kids being a physician. So it's more of the preventative approach as opposed to the, I guess, the therapeutic, instead of, mm-hmm. yeah, instead of going yeah. in and, is it the same as like, um, instead of going in and, you know, having my heart looked at because I had a heart attack, you're, you're saying it's more along the lines of early on, you teach someone the habits of exercise and healthy diet? No, 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 it's a, a diet just, it's a, it's a small part of this. Oh, what I mean and- is as an analogy. You, you, you're more about not the clinical manifestations, but perhaps treating the path, uh, the pathogenesis or, or the etiol. Et, what was it? Etiological factors. Etiological, yeah, where it comes from is. I, I can tell you uh, because it's uh, uh, maybe some people will start asking, uh, but it's important if parents having uh, autistic kids watch it. They need to answer question when. Uh, their child had some infection and they used, let me say, uh, they were prescribed some antibiotics. It's important for them to remember how a child was looking during this treatment because many of them would say it was so interesting, looks like our child at that time I became different. And uh, some of them saying, okay, we had a viral disease and during treatment, child was different. But there is a paradigm. We cannot use uh, antiviral, antibacterial treatment or antifungal treatment, even though we know these conditions 
I mean, existing uh, in children. Uh, according to current paradigm, we cannot use this, let me say, for a longer time. I'm saying, no, guys. If you want to treat your child, it's not a matter of prevention. It's a matter of actual treatment when child, children already show all the symptoms. And the changes we see, they're taking place within a month, two months after we start treatment. Then we go, let me say, from uh, these uh, uh, therapeutic things to supplemental support and keep it. And if there is necessity, we repeat it again and so on and so forth. In this case, and we say it's not just a matter of uh, to have a child who is one years old or two years old. No, uh, I have uh, kids who are in their uh, 10 years old, 12 years old. Uh, 18, uh, and this, uh, two key kids, already not kids, 22 years old. And, uh, on Thursday, I'll be talking to, uh, to the parents of, uh, a lady who is 32 years old. I mean, because it's, uh, you know, I cannot say what's it's absolutely obvious. It's impossible to make who's 32, because of many reasons. It's at some point, I would explain what's happening to your brain, how the brain is changing over time. Uh, but it's absolutely possible uh, just to stop all this suffering because uh, people are suffering uh, in many cases uh, and suffering from many points. I mean, uh, they have problems with endocrine system, but they have some... Uh, 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 problems in uh, in liver, uh, they have ga- severe gastrointestinal problems, bloating, I mean, this constipation, I mean, just uh, uh, they have some stomach uh, problems. Just some of them uh, have penet- stomach penetration. Again, it's an infection. Or, or some of them are having, let me say, increased production of uh, gastric juice, let me say, which is thoroughly destroying uh, and it's, we are paying attention just to, to neurological signs. Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, things of these uh, children, but they're suffering physically, not, not just neurologically. Do you think, and you'll have to excuse me because this obvi- I'm obviously not a physician, so I'm trying to keep up with you. Do you think that this could be a, a case of it's not that in individuals with autism they find like uh, uh, messed up intestinal flora or compromised immunities. Do you think it could be the opposite? Could it be? Could it be the uh, the the messed up probiota and the in your immune system? Could that be caused? Because isn't there a few, isn't there like a relatively new field of study? about uh, the bacteria in your gut and the effect it has on like the levels of neurotransmitters. So do you think that could actually, instead of, I'm not wording it correctly, do you think the actual, the flora in the gut and the compromised immune system, do you think uh, that could manifest the symptoms of autism? Am I am I getting anywhere near it? Tony, your question is absolutely great. I mean, this is, this is a question that we say just we are having in all fields of science and technology, technology discoveries. What is first? A chicken, chicken or, the egg? or the egg? Yeah. Yeah. And in this case, I mean, just uh, uh, I would call this condition 
a vicious circle of autism. Mm-hmm. It starts, let me say, as an initial infection uh, during pregnancy time. Then it's, uh, this infection is inducing uh, the production of uh, medi- mediators of inflammation. Uh, I mean, uh, and we know, for example, we know what's happening to the brain. Yes, there are publications which would say, okay, okay guys, we see inflammation. This is called microglia activation, but uh, nobody would say uh, inflammation and microglia activation, same thing. Uh, then as soon about this uh, microglia actually is let me say the immune system of the brain. The immune system is dysfunctional. I mean this, but there is another part of the immune system in the body, which is just, uh, dysfunctional easily because we have some analysis. I mean some tests and be sure. But if we have uh, if we have uh, the immune system dysfunctional, what's happening? Because the, the body, I mean. A child starts acquiring, let me say, all the things, let me say, without even producing some symptoms. And this uh, uh, pathologic microbiome is getting formed. And at this point, there is a pat- uh, microbiome will start playing, let me say, already its own role. I mean, but sequence of events is this. But as soon as we form, let me say, this microbiome, as I said before, SIBA, CIFO, and EMA, let me say, it's already a player by itself. Now it starts, let me say, producing all these things, toxic things, mediators of inflammation, and so on and so forth, and going back to brain. Not just brain, I mean, some other organs. And now we have brain, I mean, uh, vegetative uh, nervous system. Uh, the vegetative nervous system is, let me say, is causing damage, let me say, to internal organs. Let me say, just at the same time, uh, it's producing, let me say, dysfunctional immune system. Dysfunctional immune system is not capable, let me say, to hold a normal microbiome uh, in the gastrointestinal tract. Uh, it accumulates, let me say, many different things, which actually, many of them are not actual pathogens. They are kind of soil bacteria. Some of them are so-called conditionally pathogenic or opportunistic pathogens. Some of them pathogenic bacteria. They accumulate in the brain and they start producing their own mediators of inflammation. And now just uh, when we have this situation, let me say, we already uh, locked the circle. We created a vicious circle, let me say, and each system, let me say, is making this contribution, let me say, in this condition. In this case, when I came up with this, uh, I mean, thing, uh, I thought, okay, something needs to be done. Uh, just in order, we need to, let me say, we need to cut, let me say, this circle. Yeah, and just uh, we have three places where we can cut. And when the people say, okay, it's especially in the beginning, you can imagine how many, uh, especially in the countries there, uh, because uh, having license in the, those countries, I don't treat here, I just, uh, I just advise if a physician is asking. Uh, but I recommend, I mean, because it's, uh, first of all, of course, it's, uh, maybe I need to say this, uh, because I'm not charging any penny for this. I'm just, uh, I mean, just I'm doing my major work. It's completely different. Anything I do is it's uh, doesn't relate to, uh, I mean, to any business. And uh, what's happening in this case, especially in the beginning, I will say, okay, Ken, it's autism. It's a neurological disease. And how can you use antibiotics? How can you use antivirals or antifungal medications? I mean, but I'm saying, okay, guys, okay, just 
each disease, especially uh, autism, is a disease of everything because we see damage to uh, in uh, all systems. In this case, if you say, okay, okay, it's not possible to treat autism this, but do I have a right to treat a chronic viral infection in the brain, someone's born using antiviral medications? Yes, I do, correct. Uh, if we see in the gastrointestinal tract uh, overaccumulation of uh, candida, and we see candida in some cases in blood circulation, just we see antibodies uh, to candida. Uh, in this case, if we have candidosis or, or dysbiosis, do we have a right, let me say, to uh, suggest to use antifungal? Yeah, this is the only treatment possible. Okay, if we have uh, uh, antibodies to, uh, I mean, lifelong infections like uh, mycoplasma infection, like Lyme disease infection, I mean, like uh, Borrelia, then we have uh, chlamydia, uh, they are killers. Yeah. Then uh, I see uh, some clostridium. You know, just, it's, it's horrible, but we see some clostridium tetany. Is it, uh, I mean, a microbe is causing tetanus. And that's why some parents were saying, my child, we say, like, all muscles, we say, like, uh, I mean, uh, they're so. Even just I saw children laying down, let me say, like an ark. Okay. Yeah, and it's a system. I mean, then uh, I see Staphylococcus, a large one. I see and, uh, uh, aureus. Aureus is the one which is producing enterotoxin B. Uh, then I see some uh, bacteria like Kingella, like. Staphylococcus, uh, Streptococcus, uh, Clostridium, none of them, all of them are, are highly infectious, but some of them are absolutely infectious. Then, uh, I mean, just five, six, seven uh, bacteria which are obvious contributors in this condition. In this case, in order uh, to get rid of this or to reduce them, let me see the gastrointestinal. Do I have a right to use antibiotics? Yes, I do. In this case, of course, if you don't like a word okay, treating tourism, I'm saying, okay, guys, but treating underlying conditions. And as soon as, let me say, they, these conditions are taken care of, <coughs> children are open. Parents would say, uh, in about weeks, in, you know, just much else is different. Uh, he or she starts to say, listen to me. Uh, aggression, I mean, uh, would take longer time to get rid of. But in this case, dieting things are very important because many physicians even don't know. Uh, if uh, I'm asking parents, okay, guys, you pay attention when your child is getting aggressive. Or uh, did you notice that your child is uh, having a situation when uh, he or she will start laughing Unstoppable, I mean, unstoppably. And just as soon as they, they start to know, they say, okay, it's happening within about an hour after they eat something sweet. And there is a direct connection between sweet things, let me say, or in some cases, it could be white bread. In some cases, it could be, uh, I mean, 
waste with uh, fruits. And the child would become a mysterious. And I'm saying, okay, take a look into your child's eyes. And they see a child who different, looks like he or she is in another world. I mean, uh, and I said, it's okay, stop giving these things. Okay. And they say, oh, okay, uh, I mean, frequency of this, uh, I mean, the state, let me say, is, let me say, is reducing dramatically. But uh, then uh, they say, but sometimes we see that the child is not just, uh, a child looks drunk. And there is a mechanism to explain it. It's so-called, we call it endogenous narcotization. It's not because they take narcotics, but because uh, glucose is inducing the production of some neuromediators, which is responsible for excitement. Uh, but as soon as you have more of this, let me say, because like the do- dopamine, mm-hmm. we know dopamine, and dopamine, let me say, it's a neurotransmitter of love, let me say, excitement, and so on and so forth. But overproduction is having an exact effect of cocaine use. Yeah. Exact well, effect of, yeah. It's like love, right? It's like people yeah. that are like new, are like newlyweds or people that just start dating, yeah. right? They're they're drunk on love. You see them and you're like, you yeah. look different. And, you know, they're starry-eyed. They're high. Um, they're high on, and it's great. Oxytocin, dopamine, yeah, you're, yeah, uh, yeah. It's your endogenous uh, chemicals and kephalines and yeah. endorphins. And- but as soon as, let me say, just it's, uh, there is no sugar or there is no cocaine, uh, a person, what this person is having? Withdrawals. Withdrawals. Yeah. And withdrawals, and they become aggressive. They become, that, that's what we have. Okay. In this case, again, even in this case, it's, uh, it's treatable. It's one of the things that people say, okay, does it mean we need to have a child for the rest of his or her life, let me say, without this? Say no. Because the uh, brain has a very high level of plasticity. Uh, it would take uh, maybe a year or two or three years, let me say, just that's what we see. They are adjusting. Uh, for some kids already uh, uh, say to, to the parents, saying, okay, now you try, because the child was uh, resistant to, uh, I mean, had problems with milk, with yogurt. In, in about half a year or so I said, okay, let's try again. And they said, there is no reaction already. Because plasticity of the brain is taking place. I mean, just uh, the, the body, maybe the last thing I'd like to say, if you have not much time. I, I have, I have all the time. Are you good to keep talking? Uh, no, you know, maybe in this case it's, uh, uh, well, because next time, uh, my suggestion, Tommy, uh, because what I said is just a general overview. Okay. Uh, but what's important, I mean, just to start talking about each period, let me say, what's happening. And just it would be not just uh, my thoughts. It would be supported by publications. What we need to say, it's maybe at this point, it's important, absolutely important to say. Uh, it doesn't mean, uh, for example, I know everything and other people know nothing. It, it's a matter of current education principles. If you start analyzing, let me say, uh, publication in the field of autism, you would see in each field, what I'm saying, let me say, it's uh, described, described in one another form, let me say, in, in different uh, research articles in different countries. The, the only thing we cannot do, we cannot collect it together. There's a problem. Yeah. And if we say, okay, guys, okay, let's take a look uh, 
at autism from a different perspective, not from perspective for certain genes or certain organs, because it's completely different disease. It's a disease of, of uh, disturbed or broken homeostasis. And physicians forget this a very important term because homeostasis. Homeostasis, let me say, it's a matter of, it's, it's a balance. Mm-hmm. Because in pill we call it balance. And uh, homeostasis, of, uh, we call it neuroendocrine immune homeostasis. This is a kind of major things. And we have homeostasis, let me say, on all levels. Within the nervous system, we have homeostasis within the immune system, we have homeostasis within the endocrine system, and we have a homeostasis which would be, because all the system, they're interconnected. We, we forgot this, I mean, just, if we talk, because uh, a matter of, uh, I, uh, it's, uh, it's again an interesting thing, it's again, I would say something about the current paradigm. Uh, in the 60s, uh, let me say, all medicine went, let me say, from uh, from one paradigm to a different paradigm. But initially, it should have been done a different way, let me say. For, uh, it should be a new paradigm, let me say, in treatment of people should be based on some knowledge which existed before. And uh, the current paradigm sounds like uh, evidence-based medicine, correct? Absolutely perfect. I mean, you suppose it's, it's important to. But at some point, let me say, just uh, evidence based medicine, they started having its own life without paying attention to a very important part of medicine. We call it clinical reasoning. Clin- clinical reasoning says, okay, guys, uh, uh, evidence based medicine is really important. But you cannot take, let me say, just uh, something which was studied in, uh, in uh, clinical trials and say, okay, this is going to work. Uh, because uh, there are so many things we need to uh, Because at some point, there was a principle in medicine. Never treat a disease. Treat a patient. Now we are already, we've forgotten this principle. We treat the disease. And, you know, in this case, people wouldn't care about, for example, just you see a kind of conveyor lines, for example, from for many for many different diseases. So if you go, go, go to a hospital, it's all a kind of conveyor. Uh, it's, it's great, but, but, you know, but you cannot uh, treat a person, let me say, as a machine. Uh, and in this case, combination of uh, evidence-based medicine with clinical reasoning, there was a great article published by uh, Mayor Clinic Scientist. They, they said, guys, clinical, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, evidence-based medicine is important. But always keep in mind, let me say, just uh, if you don't use clinical reasoning, clinical thinking, let me say, your knowledge, let me say, is, is nothing. I mean, I'm sorry, it's like a And uh, well, what I mean in this case, cannot uh, treat a patient, let me say, like every patient, because autism is showing dramatic difference. There is no single child who has absolutely the same symptoms. They will have so many different manifestations, clinical manifestations. They have so many different, I mean, things, let me say, in terms of uh, in uh, what kind of organs are disrupted, what kind of microbes, we know, for example, I can tell you, uh, 
we definitely see, let me say, dramatic reduction of bifidobacteria, lactobacteria, very important um, uh, bacteria, let me say, for our gastrointestinal health. Uh, they've got increased a number of some bacteria which shouldn't be in this because they have a pro-inflammatory effect on our gastrointestinal tract. That's why when we say about this treatment, you shouldn't focus on certain because that's what's happening. Somebody's looking for a gene. And uh, genetics, they, I mean, uh, people in uh, genetics, they're great, but they already found about 200 or 300 different genes I mean, I mean, implicated to, to autism. It's not, guys, it cannot be this way. You, can, you cannot have 200 because it should be different thing. Why, for example? And in each child, uh, a set of genes would be different. Some genes, let me say, suppressed or, uh, I mean, or uh, expressed, uh, they will have some set, let me say, cause the same, and many others are different. Okay, the first thing should have come to your mind, guys. Something there is some factor which actually is making this, because uh, genes cannot be they call etiologic factors. What is etiologic factor? An etiologic factor actually is a factor which is, I mean, triggering the condition. It's a major trigger. But genes, genes cannot be a trigger, guys. It's target. This is the case, uh, because why something's happening to, to our genes? When we get uh, aged, for example, we have oxidative stress, let me say we start producing more, I mean, uh, peroxide molecules, which are I mean, damaging our DNA and so on and so forth, or we accumulate some, some infections. That's why genes, let me say, our targets, the more we attack our, uh, I mean, genes, let me say, the higher ability to get one another disease. Same things happening uh, in autism. This is the case. And if, for example, just we create, uh, I thought at some point, what my, my personal dream, we have so many foundations. I mean, you cannot even remember how many foundations our autism foundations. Autism speaks, stuff and so on and so forth. I'm not saying they're bad people. But you know, but uh, the principle uh, is this. Somebody who's running, let me say, a certain foundation is a scientist who was a scientist. The scientist who, who discovered the gene. And because of the discovery, let me say, this scientist, okay, the foundation thinks, okay, this guy, let me say, is a perfect guy. Then later on, the information comes, this uh, gene is found, let me say, in autistic, just 1% cases. And even just in some cases, when this genes, uh, gene is mutated, there are no signs of autism. And this is even more, okay, guys, every single one, I'm talking to you now, okay? And this, while I'm talking about this, my genes, let me say, I get activated and suppressed. And because anything I do, I'm open my, open my mouth, uh, I'm moving my hand, let me say, my genes. Uh, yeah. And for example, what you take my, uh, genome analysis today, and we take in five days, they would be different. Yeah. This is the, why we do this. I mean, why we spend billions. We can say they are important, but they're not. Uh, they shouldn't be the major sign because that's what we're talking about. Evidence based. Let me say it's one thing. Let me say uh, understanding of what role of each factor is another thing. But let me say uh, thinking. 
I mean, it's a completely different thing. I mean, it's disability, we call this, because we all talk about convergent medicine. We all talk about convergent science. I mean, just this term appeared maybe about 15, 20 years ago. But we just talk about this. And just, uh, just in studying autism, we need to have about people understanding, having general understanding of about 15 or 19 different medical sciences. In this case, okay, uh, that's why I'm saying a dream is this, I mean, just to establish not a foundation, a research institute or a clinic autistic, specifically autistic, with having, let me say, uh, physicians and scientists in each field. If we cannot find people who are knowledgeable in all these fields, or the great majority of fields, let's do this. And because uh, logic is so obvious, in this case, I mean, just uh, uh, that's why my dream is, uh, I mean, to find somebody who would listen and say, okay, guys, why wouldn't we try? Why wouldn't we organize the clinical trial? Why will we just let's make it uh, known to everybody in the country? Let's make it open to all parents of autistic kids. Let's start uh, treating first 100, 200, 300, 500 kids, whatever number it is. I mean, <laughs> and in this case, it will be so obvious. Well, this is the case. And what I'd like to say, maybe uh, it will sound some uh, kind of maybe aggressive or many people wouldn't like it. Mm, you know, it's, uh, before I'm saying this, I'll tell you uh, three short stories. First a story I would call it uh, Zimmerweis effect. Zimmerweis is a physician. Uh, it was the beginning of the 19th century. Uh, uh, there was uh, uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire, and he was uh, a physician who noticed at two different uh, hospitals mortality of uh, newborns and mothers. I mean, given birth was about thirty percent. Thirty percent of them died. And at another hospital, it was just one percent, was even even lower. What he did, I mean, he just found out, I mean, because it, can you imagine at that time there was no uh, sanitation things. I mean, just a uh, physician would go, let me say, to uh, not, uh, uh, I mean, just to do autopsy, for example, and without washing hands would go, let me say, and take care of the delivery. And, okay, okay, and he suggested, let me say, the methods we now we call uh, asepsis and antisepsis. Asepsis means, let me say, just to be prepared, clean yourself, disinfect yourself. I mean, just in order not, not to, uh, I mean, infect somebody. Antisepsis means, I mean, just if some, somebody or something is already uh, contaminated, you need to use uh, disinfectants, as we use now, I mean, just ethanol or something like this. And he just, he was trying, let me say, just to introduce his method for 20 and 30 years. He was not just, uh, everybody was laughing at him. Joseph Lister, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, he used and, the, uh, sorry, he used the spray, the phenol spray, I think. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. And he would, yeah, he'd spray it on the chest, he'd spray it right above him, he'd mm-hmm. have these lights on him. Yeah, people thought he was crazy, and then 
people started surviving and it was he got made he came to america he got made fun of uh, yeah, but but uh, can you imagine? It's it's called Zimmel base effect. Why it's called Zimmel base effect? Because it's it's a kind of uh, rejection, and just, be, just because many other, I mean, this kind kind of well-known professors and scientists, they develop their, let me say, expertise based on different principles. So, I mean, just and just uh, this method starts uh, taking off just after his death. This is first. And second, in the States, in New York, there was a physician, William Coley. William Coley, uh, he actually noticed uh, one guy who had uh, a sarcoma. It's, uh, he had surgery. Uh, surgery was done in three or five years before he came to a hospital. And uh, he was going through this, uh, I mean, medical medical records and just found this guy and he wanted to find out uh, how long ago he died. And suddenly he realized, okay, he was still alive. And uh, he found that patient and what would happen actually uh, after uh, after the surgery, he developed let me say, local infection let me say, uh, with a lot of, I mean, uh, severe infection. And uh, he thought, okay, and when they found out what kind of infection, he started using this method, I mean, just after this uh, different uh, different types of cancer. And uh, some patients survived, not all of them, but uh, this method was called, uh, I mean, uh, uh, colitoxin. Colitoxin means that it was some uh, streptococcus which would be causing infection in the area, I mean, activating, let me say, killing residual cancer cells. And just, he was loved, I mean, just by, I mean, by everyone. And finally, I, I have no idea what happened to him, uh, but he was trying to do something, it was good results, but uh, radiation was discovered. And uh, the guy who was in charge of the department said, okay, your method is nothing. I mean, just now, now we'll be treating using radiation. Now we have radiation. Okay. Problem is not solved yet, correct? Yeah. And now, finally, let me say, after many years, let me say, just uh, this method is actually called immunotherapy. Immunotherapy, systemic immunotherapy. Now, just we have some different systemic and targeted and so on and so forth. I mean, it took physicians. Uh, 100 years to come back, let me say, to a principle. How many millions of lives were lost in there? Okay, in the first case. In third example, just recent example. I mean, a physician, uh, last name is Marshall, uh, from Australia, uh, who said that, uh, I mean, stomach cancer actually is a result of infection caused by some, bac- uh, some bacterium. He was laughed. I mean, it's uh, innocent and okay, just because even it, it was my time, because I do remember how we uh, uh, had surgeries to cut, let me say, two-thirds of stomach, let me say, just uh, because when people had uh, stomach ulcers in, in the sphincter area. And I participated in these surgeries, I mean, just still being a student. And, you know, just, 
And you know, because this surgery, we like, like to say, conveyor surgery, so, okay, you have an ulcer, okay, let's remove it. In the States, it was a different uh, principle of treatment just to, to cut uh, a sympathetic uh, innervation of this. But when, uh, his last name, Robert Marshall, yeah, and he was uh, trying to publish an article, I mean, just going to a different conference, nobody will it here. And especially just everybody was laughing at him, saying, okay, he has no PhD, he just just MD and so, so, so forth. Okay, and this poor guy decided to prove it. And he prepared some culture and drank it for this helicopter. And uh, his colleague was, I mean, checking him and just and they saw in about a week or two weeks, he developed, let me say, an ultra. And was and published an article saying, okay, Helicobacter pylori, that's why it's caused pylori now. Uh, so it was uh, in 1983 and in 1991, it was accepted by uh, international community. Let me say, as a, since then, it was still with a lot of debate, but now there's a number of uh, stomach cancer drops so dramatically. Uh, and for treatment of this, I mean, just for this uh, ulcers, which is antibiotics. Yeah, right. It's something that's yeah. it's, it's the proton pump. Yeah, well, proton pump and antibiotics. Yeah, just yeah. So we can use doxycycline. I mean, uh, claritromycin and uh, and one more amoxicillin, I believe, and uh, amiprazole. I mean, it's proton pump inhibitor. You know, it's kind of easy treatment. And you know, it's how many lives. We say it, but so many things are still being, uh, and that's why the problem with autism. <laughs> we have so many, I mean, big names that we say in different fields, and but all these names are in, in the field of uh, rehabilitation or in the field of, uh, I would say, uh, ABA therapy or in the field of diagnosis. And many scientists who do some research, I mean, just studying some etiology pathogenesis in some specific areas, I mean, uh, genetics, I mean, infection, uh, then uh, brain, I mean, uh, studies. Brain studies, let me say, absolutely astonishing. Because if somebody is reading this, let me say, it would be, it's difficult to collect all this together. I mean, because even just in, in the field of brain science, let me say, just people work in different fields. But as soon as you collect all this, you suddenly see, okay, guys, it's it's inflammation, guys. It's first initial encephalitis. This encephalitis is getting proliferation. It's changing, I mean, uh, neuron distribution. It's, uh, I mean, uh, it's uh, why, for example, it's happening because it's, uh, the system, when it's inflammation, let me say, neurons, they are formed, let me say, in a certain part uh, of the brain. Infectious. Then it's taken by certain cells, we call it radial, radial B cells, that it's taken to the final destinations. And they are not able, I mean, to, because of inflammation, they are not able, many of them are not able to come in certain amounts, let me say, to a certain place. Or we have, let me say, just you and I, we have about uh, 85, 90 to 100 uh, billion neurons in our brains. Mm-hmm. When we are born, we have 150, 160 billion. Really? 
Yeah, and the brain actually is cleaning them because it's many things they are not necessary because we don't need so many. It's not a matter of number of neurons; it's a matter of connectivity. Mm-hmm. Because it's uh, some scientists they got the point. They say, okay, autism is is a disease of connectivity, but this is just a small part. Connectivity is a key. But how to restore connectivity? How to replace neurons? What we say, play them in the right. It is. It's, it's another story. It can be done. This is the case. But in order to do it, of course, you cannot use current uh, current approaches. Of course, you need to get rid of inflammation, to get suppressed uh, infection. You need to, uh, I mean, uh, these vicious symptoms. And then, then start working uh, with work for everybody, for neurologists, especially the ones who would understand, for example, what kind of compounds would be able to suppress, or, let me say, or induce uh, certain ne- neurotransmitters, or how to activate radial, uh, so-called radial, uh, real cells. I mean, uh, in this case, to help the neurons, which are still, let me say, in certain places, let me say, whether some of them are connected, uh, or if, if not connected, to start moving. We shouldn't forget that uh, even even now, for example, at my age, I'm still producing new neurons. Every day I'm producing 700, uh, 1,000, maybe 2,000 neurons every day. In the, if there is a need, let me say, for some uh, for some neurons in a certain field, let me say, brain could have taken them, let me say, to a certain area. And then the connectivity, how to organize connectivity. There is a medical approach, but connectivity in many cases, it's, it's a matter of knowledge. Uh, for example, uh, before I knew you, uh, I didn't have this connectivity. I didn't have I didn't have this uh, neural network. Mm-hmm. Then we met. Okay, I found out, for example, who you are. One connection. Mm-hmm. Then I understood how you speak. Another connection. Uh, when I understood how you look. Okay. Another connection. Uh, then I see, for example, uh, what, what you're interested in, and just all the things that you say. And I created now, for example, I, I know something. Okay. This this is a way. This is a way when we are able to treat now. Just for example, it's time already for ABA for rehabilitation for all these people. Let me say to start retraining or let me say uh, the novel training of the kids. They didn't get something during this time. As soon as we uh, get rid of it, suppress all these things, for example, they're already ready, let me say, to acquire any knowledge. It's much more difficult for them uh, compared to what they could have done before. But they're still capable. That's what the parents say. Some some kids who, who never hit at age 10, 12, uh, didn't have a balance to, to ride a bicycle, or start riding a bicycle in about one, two weeks. Somebody who was not able to walk, I mean, properly, who started uh, running faster. I mean, in this case, all these cases could be presented. I mean, just uh, it's. Uh, I mean, parents are willing to speak. Uh, some of them are kind of uh, in some countries kind of stigma, but uh, in many countries, other forms of education, uh, they always share messages in these groups. Uh, they share what's happening. There are some uh, difficulties. I mean, just uh, how to com- uh, combine, create, let me say, some compositions 
complete because some of them are having autoimmunity, some of them are having allergic reactions. You always need to think, for example, how not to induce some allergy or, I mean, because again, it's, it's not just simple, uh, simple allergy, it's, it's a histamine production. Histamine actually is played in inflammation as well. In this case, I mean, again, in this case, okay, should we include antihistamine treatment? Let me say it's a part of treatment. I mean, yes, in, in some cases, in order not to use this condition. And during this treatment, I'm taking the kids, let me say, from all medications that they had before. Step by step, let me say, they are, uh, I mean, you can imagine this is a treating something different, we see improvements, let me say, in, in the organs we're not focusing on. Because inflammation, or things, let me say, they are playing a role, let me say, just in, we are balancing homeostasis. This is maybe what, if you have some additional questions, we'd be happy to answer. Uh, but, uh, I mean, uh, at some point, I'd be happy to discuss step by step uh, and would be happy if some uh, people or listeners would start asking questions I mean Absolutely. Uh, because I'm having uh, webinars but they're all in Russia uh, because because I'm a physician for I'm not in Russia I mean just for because I'm my diploma let me say my license is for those countries for all 15 countries of the former Soviet Union in, in that case, I mean, just uh, I'm treating, I'm teaching, I'm, uh, I mean, it's uh, for me it's easy, but that's why everything is in Russian, in Russian language. But uh, I'd be happy, let me say, just to have a series, let me say, for people here in the United States, and I would be absolutely happy to have, let me say, a good fight. But this, this is really important. And just whatever, just uh, people, whomever uh, speaks, and just it's kind of, uh, I wouldn't say debate, but you know, if they ask questions, and okay, can you explain this? Can you explain this? But we don't believe this. Okay, in this case, either by my observations or some publications, uh, I'm not saying I know everything, uh, the general picture. That's why I'm saying. Autism is, would be solved just people understanding convergent science, convergent medicine. That's it. And not somebody who would try to find a magic bullet or silver bullet. It's not, it's not so. That's why we are not moving ahead at all. Nothing has changed since you can imagine for all this time. Nothing came up. 111 types of treatments, zero results. This is a case. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I, I will post this in some places online and try to field some questions for the next episode we do. But, um, no, I think you're completely right in terms of everyone laughs at something until, in, until it's proven correct and then it's hailed as science. Everything we now know, I mean, from the world not being flat to uh, the Wright brothers taking off in Kitty Hawk to everything in between 
uh, Joseph Lister, you know, the antiseptic technique, you know, and chopping someone open and then delivering a baby and wondering why the mother got sepsis. Everything we take as common fact today, just, you know, oh, yeah, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to drink fresh water. You got to turn on the lights. It, at some point, this was all hearsay. You know, the idea of, again, Thomas Edison turning on a light bulb. If for all of human history that was seen that was seen as impossible it was seen as black magic i mean you're a witch and then it works and now we don't think twice about it so right now yeah i think it's par for the course it, people are going to ridicule it and i would say that means you're in good company okay, okay. <laughs> i would say that's a good sign if if people embraced it with open arms i would be concerned i'd be like wait this isn't how it, the fact that people are resistant to it to me, that says you're on the right path. Yeah, you, you, you noticed uh, I'm having, uh, on YouTube, I'm having uh, 12 webinars in, in Russia. Uh, my dream is at some point just to translate it in, into English. First, but I'll do it later. And second, uh, I'm working on the book. On the book on autism, I mean, this is... Uh, uh, I'm trying to explain this, let me say, from... You know, uh, I thought for quite a long time, it's always a matter of time, of course, because I need, I need to do my work, I need, I need to support my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no uh, much back, I mean, my, many dollars, I mean, just not, not to work. I mean. And uh, the book is uh, looking at my daughter, uh, looking at uh, some some other kids. I understood that when we look at a child with autism, we look, let me say, ourselves at a child. And I was trying, let me say, just in this, what I'm collecting now, uh, what a child with autism feels. Why? And uh, that's what I'm trying to write a book saying, okay, based on what I observe, based on what uh, I read, I mean, based on science or behavior and so on and so forth. Based on how, for example, Mary, my daughter, was asking, begging for sugar. I mean, just because uh, she knew, and she said, I would never love, give me a small, small, small piece of, I mean, some kid. And as soon as she's having a candy, she will start laughing. And now she's all, uh, I mean, older, and she understands she's trying to hide what she's done. She, she, she's, uh, not, uh, I mean, uh, she, she's having, uh, in yeah, intoxicated, the endogenous. She's, yeah. yeah. She's intoxicated. And even now, just when I was talking to her, uh, we agreed that they would come Wednesday, I mean, and we'll have some time together. I mean, driving around, going to Washington, D.C. And she said, I have just one request. Can you buy me a very small piece of ice cream? I said, no. She said, why? I said, okay, okay. we agreed upon this. Let's do this way. Of course, I know maybe I'm not right, but I said, you choose. Uh, you have an ice cream, with one choice, another choice, I'm not coming. What do you prefer? Well, I'll buy her. I said, no, I don't need ice cream, you, you come. 
that's what uh, I mean, Tran, let me say, to keep it like with somebody who was uh, many, many years, let me say, on uh, on some indigenous narcotics. And now it's very difficult for her, let me say, to get rid of them. Yeah. It's a kind of a situation. That's what we need to take her from this condition. That's what... Uh, this is what things because otherwise she she's she's completely perfectly speaking i mean just writing songs let me say just uh i mean but still naive i mean because for many years she didn't acquire what she should have acquired and he will continue giving her let me say all this stuff let me say she's getting again and as soon as she she, she get uh, i would say intoxicated she wouldn't care about studying, she wouldn't care about anything, but she's sitting laughing, I mean, just when I see her eyes. Yeah. I see she, she's intoxicated. That's what, uh, for, for, for now, Tommy. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll wrap this one up right now. Um, I'll email you and we can do a part two, and I will try to field some questions. I'll post it online. I'll try to get other people to contribute. Um, but in the off chance that people don't, I can't find questions. I would still love to have you on again and we can, we can move on to the next, the next section of it. It's, I think you did a very good job of explaining what it is and explaining, uh, kind of the, the architecture of it, the blueprints, what we need to understand. And I think next time we could move towards what can be done, what studies, what existing, uh, remedies could be used uh, uh, to me if you don't mind uh, uh, because we still consider um, autism is a neurological correct I would tell people let me say what kind of changes we have in the brain I mean just uh, what's happening anatomically I mean just based let me say on uh, circular science and then uh, what kind of uh, brain uh, then we'll, we'll talk about uh, some uh, sensory things because they never explained I mean because what's happened to the why it's difficult for them to, to get haircut why it's difficult for them just because because these conditions they are having let me say a good explanation let me say by science but n- nobody ever connected them <coughs> as soon as we start treatment let me say there is no problem with haircut. There is no problem with wearing uh, certain clothes. Let me say, everything is gone. A month or two, let me say, child is completely different. And this is what we can explain. And then moving forward, I mean, just and how these conditions could be could be treated. And at some point, I would discuss, if possible, uh, how to find out where there is a high probability of a parent to have a child with certain condition and based on uh, it's uh, uh, it's analyzable there are some tests then what's happening during pregnancy and how to distinguish uh, future autism let me say in early childhood newborns and what could have been done uh, at each uh, stage of development and how much could be achieved okay yes sir I would absolutely be honored to. And uh, as, I, as I've told you before, you can do as many episodes as it takes. If it takes three, if it takes 500, I don't care. Okay, okay, great okay. conversations. I enjoy it. So it 
gent. Let's take our time. Let's do it. It's an honor to be able to talk to you and to be able to, you know, most people would, would pay for the ability to sit here and have the conversations that I have, but I get to do it for free. So it's, it's, I love it. No, to, to, to me, it's uh, the more people, even just at, the, uh, at this point, maybe not many of them, because it's, uh, it's always, uh, just to finish up this situation, because somebody would say, okay, uh, write scientific articles. I've written several already. And I just saw some people read it, but let me say just a number of articles published every year, tens of thousands. Who pays attention? Because in this case, people think about uh, their, I mean, this kind of uh, scientific degrees, let me say, just some appreciation scientific, but, but you know, but this science is not coming to the actual parents, actual kids. In this case, at some point, I decided to go case science. Uh, I'll put on hold, I'll continue uh, working on this, uh, but it's getting more important to start explaining. This is the only way, let me say, to deliver this knowledge to uh, to the actual, let me say, uh, it's a bad word, but, but I would use it, uh, actual customers. Okay? Let's do it. Dr. Kent Albeck, author of Biohazard, autism researcher extraordinaire. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you for giving me time out of your day. It's an absolute honor to talk to you. You are an angel. You're doing God's work. You are truly a doctor and um, you're nothing short of an inspiration to talk to. So I will email you when this is up and we can okay. schedule We can schedule part two. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Tommy. Thank, thank you. you. No, but but uh, thank you for a desire to listen, baby, because it's, uh, finally um, the knowledge through all the things uh, will start getting to uh, to parents uh, and scientists. Yes, sir. Okay, let's do it. Let's do okay. it. I'll, you be the brains, and then I'll just be the uh, I'll be the guy that puts it on YouTube. It'll be a ninety-five five. I'll do a little bit. You're doing most no, of no, it. No, no, let's go fifty-fifty. Okay, we'll call it fifty-fifty. All right, you're too kind. Dr. Ken Albeck, thank you, sir. I will email you when this is up, and you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you very much, you too. Thank you, sir. God bless. Recording you stopped. One.